This is like taking all the blue out of like yeah. the air. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> it's the Matrix at the yeah. point. Everything's yeah. got a green tint. It puts you in a weird mood. But Spe- anyway, speaking of weird moods, we're in a weird mood tonight. Apparently, we are. But I think that it would be. We've a- been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. We had a couple weeks off. So. That's true. Because of Chris, uh, Crispin Glovermas. Crispin Glovermas. <laughs> what did um, you say? <laughs> oh, I don't remember now. Chrysler. <laughs> you guys, you guys, always, you guys had a Christmas uh, one. Merry Christmas, Myrtle Beach Chryslerism. Um, yes. Yeah, we yes. we were Murray Krispy Kreme. We were <laughs> off for a couple weeks from recording, and yet magically, we have not been off for a couple weeks uploading. How did that happen? (laughs) Uh, This one right now will be uploaded immediately (laughs) to keep us in uh, tow. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll probably record extra ones. Okay. Cool. Sweet. You ready? Yeah. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And And welcome welcome to the Houseplants Podcast. Year Year 2020. 2020. Okay. I thought you were yeeting at first, like Y-E-E-T. Well, it is a very yeet-worthy thing. It is the new year. That's How true. cool is that? <laughs> New decade. I, um, see, I I just I have this idea that um, you know how like every year like 2012 was supposed to be like an apocalypse year because of the Mayan calendar, mm-hmm. and like 1999 leading into 2000, same kind of deal. Yeah. And then there was like a 6606 kind of thing, and so There's I thought 2K20. And so right. I thought that maybe 2020 would be like one of those like now our eyes are open and we see in 2020. Well, the that's truth. what that's what all the sermons are being preached. Oh, is that really? Oh, thing? 2020 vision. Come to church and hear about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've seen that several places. You need to. I mean, that's very that's very surface level. You got to go deeper. You got to think <laughs> of a more smart joke than that. But yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a new decade. And I'm excited about like. Um, mobsters and Tommy guns and you know, jazz. You know what I'm the excited Charleston. about? You know what Bring I'm back the zoot suit. Yeah. The twenties, right? You know what I'm excited about? Music. You think music will get really good this decade? What else would we be excited about? Zach media. What else, Bob? I don't know about you guys. You think but media is going to get really good this decade. I'm really excited about the mission of Jesus. There we go. The mission we of almost Jesus. forgot it, didn't we? Do you think the mission of Jesus is going to get really good this decade? Oh, my <laughs> Lord. I hope so. Do you think your hope is going to get really good this decade? <laughs> oh, gosh. I pray so. That'll be good. Yes. Oh, you didn't ask about my prayer. It was going to be good this year. Oh, is your prayer going to be good this decade no. slash year? <laughs> All right. So <laughs> right now it is as we're recording this, as we're recording this, it is December 30th. Yep. So technically, we could make some New Year's resolutions right now. Did we? We didn't get into that on the live show. We, we didn't. Were supposed to. We were supposed to. So yeah. let's do it right now, and then people will be listening to it in like a week, and they will know if we did them or not. I'm going to say, no joke, I know everybody says this, and this is cliche, and I'm sorry that it's cliche, but... I'm going to make a serious, serious effort to stop drinking soda. Ooh. Nice. That's a commitment there. I'm a big dude. For people who can hear my fatness in their ears. People like me trying to tempt you to drink soda more, hitting up drive throughs and things like that. What about you, Zach? So I don't really like resolutions, but I came across something um, called a rule of life. 
Yeah. Which is basically something that you commit to not just for a new year, oh, but you make it. Yeah. yeah. And so you uh, you come up with these routines and you say, here's what I'm going to do daily. Here's what I'm going to do um, weekly. Here's what I'm going to do on a yearly basis and monthly as well. Nice. So like one of the things I'm most of mine have to do with being more present in prayer. I want to make uh, yep. prayer a bit more of a priority. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And we'll hold that thought because we're going to pray as soon as we hear from Bob. Uh, for me, I my, my resolution is to eat just a little bit less than what I normally do. Oh, okay, because you're so um, <laughs> overweight and everything. Uh, despite popular belief, I have been uh, putting on a few pounds here and there. So, yeah. so to just uh, not like not like cut it in half or even cut it a quarter, but like you know m- maybe five percent less. <laughs> for everybody listening right now, not to sound insulting, but Bob is the quintessential elf, like tall and thin. No, no, Zach I'm not. is a little bit shorter. He's maybe like a dwarf or a hobbit. And then I am like the one eyed ogre with like the giant gut. So <laughs> I'm an ogre. <laughs> Ogres have layers. <laughs> All right. So I am going to uh, request that we have Bob pray because Absolutely. I prayed before. Now you prayed last episode. It is Bob's turn. And so another uh, we're going to pray, then we're going to sing. Well, another New Year's resolution is that I hope that I stop the church from trying to get indulgences from people. Yes. You know what I'm uh, saying? That's a good one. That's a good one. And I feel like there's another guy who would have agreed with me, and we'll talk about him after the prayer. I'm resolving to um, call out church's issues and be honest. Yeah. And maybe even if there are 95 things wrong, to post just post those on a door. <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't ruin the door if you don't have to. But if you have to, then do it. If that makes the point, then do yeah. it. Well, you know, like you don't you don't have to nail anything. You can always use a command strip or something. Or Those that what's that good. what's that putty stuff for the oh, poster putty? There you yes. Go. Oh yeah, Bob. So will you will you pray for our upcoming sure. episode? Thank you, <laughs> Daddy. I love uh, love this chance that you've given us to uh, to gather together as as as, as men of of, of of your creation, um, as children uh, adopted into your kingdom, we're so grateful for uh, for for where you've placed us and and for for this chance to to speak your truth. Um, we hope that uh, as uh, throughout this episode, as we uh, worship and as we explore uh, the fathers of those who have come before us, that uh, that we would uh, um, uh, learn from each other and learn from those uh, from those individuals. May you guide us. May you build us. Uh, may you make us stronger men today than we were yesterday. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 So today we're switching up the order, and that's totally fine. Because we're revealing who we're talking about today. Zach, who are we talking about today? We are talking about Martin Luther. Oh, I'm sorry. Martin Luther. Isn't Martin Luther um, uh, 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 Lex's dad from Superman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the nice one. Lex was the bad one. Yeah, <laughs> he was bald and hated Superman. Oh my goodness! The more hateful you are, the more bald you get. That's true. In the in the video game Fable, as you become do more bad stuff, your yeah. hair falls away and you get horns. Um. So yeah. Uh. In in the spirit of talking about Martin Luther today, and I don't know if you caught that indulgence pitch before the prayer. If but, you knew what that was. If you knew what that point. was, nice work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we're going to do a classic hymn that Martin Luther wrote that Zach picked out for us. Zach, um, do you know any backstory on this thing before we do it? 
I did not know much about this. I was looking for a Martin Luther hymn that wasn't a mighty fortress is our God. Cause we've, Cause we've done, done that, that one. Like maybe twice. I was looking mm-hmm. for one that had been translated into English. There is a wealth of German language hymns out there that you can find by Martin Luther. Um, this one, I did not really know anything about, but um, realized it had a very interesting tune and I read the words and I was like, ah, this is all about the incarnation. And it's a little Christmassy too. It's a little Christmassy. Yeah. Not only does it sound Christmassy, but it's about the word made flesh and Jesus coming to us as an infant. And so, and we weren't ready to let Christmas go just yet anyway. Well, we, we technically don't have to, because for us, it's still December. That's right. That's right. You all will indulge us. Hopefully, Right. But just don't pay the church for it, please. <laughs> totally free. <laughs> Okie doke. So you guys want to worship? Let's go ahead and worship. Do your nice intro thing. All right. I'll give it a shot.
choosing for your throne while worlds on worlds are yours alone amen well done yeah buddy man that's a lot of fun I think we that need to so put good. that in the uh, the good, good, good bank of yeah. like seven or eight <laughs> like really good ones that we did. I love, I love the harmony. Um, uh, we and by the way, for everybody listening, we held up those notes sitting down with that diaphragm depressed, which is not easy. Very hard. <laughs> yeah, we need like music stands or something. We need like we need to be on our tippy toes and like stretching our hands out, stretch that thing open and sing yeah. for a lot longer. So, um, yeah, man, what a beautiful song. I love the lyrics. What great words. Yeah, um, just, I mean, so everybody who was listening who may not have caught a lot of the lyrics, I want to read some. Um, of course, you know the first verse because we sing, you know, all praise to you, eternal Lord, which is the name of the song. But I really like um, some of the imagery here, and it has to do with, like, kind of Christ coming to earth. You know, the things like, a little child, you are our guest, that weary ones in you may rest. Forlorn, forlorn and lowly is your birth, that we may rise to heaven from earth. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, a little bit of the rapture. <laughs> the, the, the skies did once before you bow. A virgin's arms contain you now. Ooh, you know, so good. The, the glory of, the, you know, Christ, who was God and, and the heavens and earth are like worshiping him. And yet here he is as a baby. Just in, in a woman's arms. I mean, in that fifth verse, just the triumphant like victory of what yeah. Jesus does. He says, all, all this for us, your love has done by this to you. Our love is one. Yeah. For this, we tune our cheerful lays and shout our thanks in ceaseless praise. There's a lot to Absolutely unpack gorgeous. here. Oh, well, so good. Anyway, let's he, get into he the was meat. So into the incarnation, and Martin Luther, well, man, that guy like yeah. loves, uh, we'll get into it. Okay, so we have done a very, very long intro, but we are also going to focus heavily on one theologian today. We talked about him, Martin Luther. Zach, uh, I would say, probably has the inside track on a lot of this stuff, but we have all individually done some good research this week, and we feel very confident that we can talk about Martin Luther, at least on the surface, get the conversation going. And for all of you who are interested in learning about theologians, you can go and check this out. Um, you know, look him up, check out some books. I'm sure that we have, uh, some reading yeah, material. We'll, we'll mention there. a couple things. Um, mm. also I want to say that we are going to try and maybe do this again with other theologians. Absolutely. So we've got, we've got a few different ones. And if you are interested in hearing, um, our thoughts and just hearing us kind of research and, and, um, dive into somebody's yeah. theology that you like, let us know on our pick Facebook us, page. Pick us a new theologian. Yeah. I actually had a friend tell me today that he would love to hear one about Thomas Aquinas. Okay. Which I Ooh, think would be a lot of fun. One. That's a, that's an old school, like uh, Greek, uh, medieval. Theologian. Oh, medieval. Is he? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which so one's when, Greek? Is that Pascal? Maybe not. I'm not, I think they're both medieval. Okay. Well, never mind. But yeah, the medieval period, such an interesting, we always, think that not a lot happened because we like in church history, you've got like the period of the church fathers, like yeah. the first hundred, mm-hmm. couple hundred years of the church. And then you've got the dark age ages and then you've got the reformation, but like right. a lot happened in the medieval period that we just don't really think about. Well, like we want to forget about those crusades and stuff, of course, but of there course. was a lot of other 
interesting developments too. See, and I think yeah. one thing I want to say as a precedent, which I think Martin Luther is a great example of, and that is that I think for a lot of the negativity that gets thrown uh, towards the modern Christian church um, uh, in, in terms of like mistakes the church has made in the past. Let me just tell you this. At the time those mistakes were being made, not everybody was going along with those mistakes. And mm-hmm. so you have a lot mm-hmm. of people that were willing to stand up and be the minority and say, yeah. this isn't right what's happening. We need to yeah. do something about this. And Martin Luther is one of those guys. And, and you know, and like Zach said, we'll have a chance to talk he about definitely some- stood for reason and, um, you know, getting back to the word as central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I feel like today, one of the biggest things that me and Bob and Zach all share is our, our, our appreciation and maybe our concentration on the word lately and, and sort of uh, the relinquishing of, of the authority to the, to the word of God, as opposed mm-hmm. to our own understanding. And that's, that's something that we have seen uh, sort of, maybe maybe get tossed a little bit to the side uh, as the church has become a little more modern. And so today we're going to learn about a guy who was like, nah, let's get in that word. <laughs> I ain't going to go out like no punk. So when we do these uh, theologian episodes, I think, or at least we're going to try it like this way first and we might make adjustments, but um, we thought that the three areas to cover is like the biographical like what, life, what was their life like? Who were they before yeah. and what did they do? And mm-hmm. and then what did their theology develop into? What so, was their main like yeah. theological points uh, yeah. and what did they believe? Yeah. And, you know, we're going to have to kind of scratch the surface here. But, um, you know, we were able to dig into some of the things that Luther wrote. So we'll be looking at that. And then kind of the impact on the church and where the church has gone since mm-hmm. then. What happened as a result of those actions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So I guess, cause I, I kind of did a little digging on the life aspect. I'll, I'll start. Sure. Um, so Martin Luther. Okay. So let's see here. Martin Luther was born. Uh, I believe it says in my notes and by the way, uh, citing where I got this information from, believe it or not, history.com, which is of course the history channels website. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really nice uh, kind of like laying out of his life on there and they give a little extra tidbits of details. I mean, I looked at a few uh, few different listings, but I felt like this one kind of had a little bit extra flavor. Mm. So, OK, so I, uh, from what they say, he was born uh, 1483 um, and he was born in Isleben, Saxony, which is now Germany, part of the Holy Roman Empire to parents Hans and Margareta. Luther's father was a prosperous businessman. We know this. He kind of, I guess, in the start of things, always wanted Martin to be a lawyer. And we'll, as we get to know him a little bit, we'll find out that he really pushed for that really hard. Um, and so they moved, like when Martin Luther was like 10, they moved to Mansfeld. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, his family of 10, Martin Luther was five at this time, his family of 10 members of his family. Um, so he went to a local school and he learned about reading and writing and stuff until maybe his closing years of adulthood, uh, of adolescence into adulthood. He was, oh, excuse me. He was kind of learning um, basic things like, well, not basic, but he would be a, like a privileged learner. He learned like arithmetic, writing, Latin, all the important things you feel are, you know, at that time would make you a learned boy. Yeah. So, and, so, so he actually learned Latin as a boy. Uh, yeah. It says that, that he, pl- pl- placed him quite a bit higher than most commoners. Yeah. 
That's what's interesting about this because he grew. Well, up his son, in, his father was yeah. a successful businessman, sure, so they sure. did have money. He grew up in Germany, and a lot of people think everybody spoke Latin because that's what the Catholic Church did. They had like services in Latin. They yeah. read scripture in Latin, but actually, they were doing all this stuff in Latin, and very few people actually could even Un- read it or speak yes, it. Yes, understand what was yeah, even being so said. People didn't understand what was said in church. Which, as a side note, which is why the uh, stained glass uh, paintings were so important and the, and the murals on the walls, as that taught the, the stories to the commoners who did not yeah. understand what was being spoken. Yeah, I heard somebody kind of describe it like seeing was believing because you could you didn't have the ability to hear it, but they built these like magnificent spires in these churches and they were meant to um kind of bring you to faith by just the sight of it you know? right. evoke a sense yeah. of awe yeah so um at like 13 or so he mm-hmm. was going to he was going to school at this one school that was sort of run by this group called the brethren of common life and their whole thing they were a part of this like sort of roman catholic piety community uh-huh. um that sort of gave him uh this in this beginning interest, I would say, in uh, sort of the monistic life that he would soon to become part of. And so while he was in school, though, his dad saw that he was kind of leaning towards the Roman Catholic Church and tried to, like, turn him the other way ah. towards being a lawyer. And uh, I would like to play the part of the father. And I can't do a German accent. So I'll just say, no son of mine will be involved in any Piety. <laughs> it is filthy for the mind. So he pulled him out of school. But Faja. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, what, you're speaking I, your blasphemies to me? I feel like I am uh, I am definitely uh, called to to work for the church. And um, I must become a monk, Faja, because that is my calling. Oh, my. Listen to him argue he will make an excellent lawyer (laughs) (laughs) and so they took him he he literally dragged him out of this school and put him in a church uh, i'm sorry not a church a different school in magdeburg magdenburg magdenburg and sent uh so he pulled him out of that school and and moved him to a school in essenach i can't do the the words very good it's okay just own it (laughs) essenach there you go then in 1501, Luther enrolled in the University of Erfurt, the premier university in Germany at the time. So imagine yeah. you can go to like the the best Ivy League school in Germany at this time. So uh, you're, you guys are right. He was definitely his father probably came from uh, enough wealth to, to provide that for him. Um, so he got access to like the best education he got arithmetic astronomy geometry philosophy um he attained a master's degree um in uh, 1505 so it only took him four years to to get a master's degree which is (laughs) that sounds nice um so okay here's the point where martin luther's life gets turned violently towards god and i say violently because he almost gets struck by lightning uh essentially a big storm comes and this bolt of lightning goes right next to him and he barely gets out of the way and he considered it like a sign from God that he should become a monk. So he, instead of taking that degree and being a lawyer like his father wanted him to, he becomes a Augustinian monk, uh, an Augustinian friar, I guess you could call that, monk friar. And he uh, instead entered uh, this monastery, and that's kind of where his uh, life began. Yeah. 
So, Zach, what do we know about Augustinian friarship? What do what did Augustine believe, and right. what did he insist so, upon? Yeah, so there were two two things that were big for Augustine, and I'm assuming that this carried over into the yeah. into the order that was. I don't think he started, but I think was an their order interpretation. After yeah, their interpretation of what he wrote. So two big things. One was the centrality of scripture, and over the over the church's control the church's control yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's going to be a big um conflict when it comes to martin luther as oh, well yeah. right oh, yeah um so augustine uh he, he everything he did was based on on the scripture first um the other thing was about justification which is a fancy way of saying like converting to believing faith faith in christ that saves you so for Augustine, he really, um, he emphasized the side of that. That is where it is. God's grace alone. That saves you. You can't do anything to save yourself. That was his conviction. That's what he wrote a lot about. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's basically, you're right. Like that's basically what they see now, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, sometimes you have the belief system in place, but uh, the church may not represent those beliefs the same way that they are written. Uh, And, and and at the time, Martin Luther was like, if this is what I'm called to do, I am going to believe these two things to the letter and I'm going to like study them intently. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think it's really interesting the journey that God brought Martin Luther on right because when he was younger and he was a part of the uh, the traditional Catholic Church at the time they really expressed the importance of confession and like penance yeah and things where like you have to like do this this and this correctly if you want to receive forgiveness for your sins and so that scared Martin Luther to death so when he was a younger like teenager he would go to his priest and he would make him sit there for hours and he would go through like <laughs> I'm sorry I insulted my mother's potato salad like <laughs> yeah and right. he would try to like recall like all these sins um and I think the greater understanding that he was able to get from the Augustine influence when he started learning from like that school of thought was the you know no you you're saved by god's grace it's an act of grace right and so it's not on you to necessarily have it's to, not your work it's not your it's works not you doing stuff for the church trying to sit there and recall everything yeah. and go through this whole litany that is that's just you doing what you feel like right. you're supposed to do yeah. by faith yeah. alone by faith alone that's right sola fidea i believe yes. is the is the Ooh, yeah. thank is, you bob no well Nice little tidbit add in there. Yes. Um. So I'll just I'll, I'll breeze through the rest of this because it's we're getting to the ninety five thesis. That's where we want to get to. But um. So when he when he became this uh, August Augustinian friar, he decided to do the rigorous stuff of a monk, but he also wanted to go back to school to continue to learn. This guy was a yeah. brainiac, so he goes back to the University of Erfurt and uh. Erfurt. Um, and a different university in Wittenberg. They don't have the name here, but, um, I guess the university of Wittenberg maybe, but, um, he got all this extra education and, and wanted to learn more and more. And I believe that it was in the intellectual study that he became such a, Hmm. 
how what's a good word for that? Not stickler. Uh, such a a thorough studier yeah. of the word later because of how vigorously he studied everything. Well, and he had the ability to translate right from Greek because he had yeah. Latin Greek. He had, he had mm-hmm. I mean, he knew German. Um, yeah. That's one of the things. And we, we need to do another movie thing and, and watch the Luther movie. I actually oh, yeah. find it to be pretty mm-hmm. good. It's a little yeah. over the top at times, but it's pretty good. Um, So he, for the next five years after like going back to school, um, he, well, first he received a doctorate again and became a professor of biblical studies. And then over the next five years, he just would do theological study. He was just like a, I want to learn everything about theology that I can. And so, okay, here's where we come to the stuff with the church becoming an issue. So it says, uh, a lot of theologians and scholars at the time were very upset with things that were going on with the Roman Catholic church, a lot of their teachings. Um, but at that exact same time, a lot of translations mm-hmm. of the Bible were coming out simultaneously, which some people mm-hmm. contribute to the anger because once they started comparing what the Roman Catholic church yeah. was teaching to what the scripture was teaching, they oh, were yeah. lining up. They were totally banned. These like other translations, right? They, oh, yeah. they thought this was, yeah an affront to the church that they should, Oh, again, they should only have the authority to be able to interpret the Bible because they had been the ones who had read. It's kind of like, what is mm-hmm. it? Sort of like what the Pharisees thought, like, Oh, we have actually read mm-hmm. this. What are you apostles? Like from acts, you apostles don't know anything. The Vulgate. That's yeah. what the Latin translation was called. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, so the, uh, the, <laughs> So we already talked about what Augustine believed and kind of what Luther believed as a result of what Augustine believed. Um, he he came to believe those two core beliefs about grace and about the authority of scripture so much that that was kind of his profound unlocking of why maybe he had an issue. And, and you know, like the thing was is that the Pope had the ability it still does actually has the ability to speak and say, I'm speaking infallibly right now. Right. So then you have to take, um, his position on things as mm-hmm. basically as gospel. And so, yeah, the, the problem was that the popes began to get into politics somewhere in the middle ages, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, all the Kings were, were appointed, uh, n- not directly, but had the blessing of the Pope. There and, were a lot of the times, yes. And yeah. if they went against the Pope, that was a problem. Oh, yes, and, uh, yeah. to the point to where wars could easily break out as a result of right. going against the Pope. Yeah. Certain certain uh, areas yeah. siding with the church versus the um, versus the, 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 the ruler, the monarch the rulers at, the time. at the time. So they still had a lot of these teachings on, like we said, indulgences, right? All you need to do to absolve your sin is pay me five gold <laughs> German pennies, whatever they're called. What's a, a, not a mark back then. What would a German... A, um, a euro, I believe. Right? Are you being sick? <laughs> <laughs> <A> euro. <laughs> Deutsch marks. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah. So the Catholic Church, they just, they had granted, um, they granted these indulgences mm-hmm of yeah. absolution of anybody's sin, but you had to give money to the church. And as we have known throughout history, that was a big no, no, right? Give us money and your sins will be forgiven. Now mm-hmm. it's interesting because even today you might without realizing it, even make that interpretation again. 
uh, which is why we need to know about this yep. stuff because it can't to, repeat to a history. lesser degree. To a lesser degree. Because think about like tithe, right? So you oh, yeah. say like, well, you know, if you're not tithing, you you aren't making that covenant with God. And if you are going to be tithing, you need to tithe to the one true church that God believes in, and that is our church. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not tithing, you don't need to be a part of the church, and you are uh, sinning. Yeah. So you could like you could stack that castle of of reasoning if you really wanted to, and which is dangerous because at the time the only person interpreting the Bible was the Catholic Church leaders, and sure, as yeah. a result they could interpret it however they saw fit. Yeah, yeah. And, and they and you know the the political thing because there were like I think the King of Germany at the time was either like in good with the Catholic Church at one point the King of Germany was like, oh, basically the Pope picked him, you know? And right. there was a lot of different... Mm-hmm. There was even, like, uh, the Holy Roman Empire um, right. was, like, this political entity that controlled, like, a lot of Germany and a lot of Europe. Mm-hmm. And oh, the yes. Pope pretty much would directly say, like, okay, this guy's going to be the emperor now. Yes. Emperor, <laughs> I give Holy you my Roman blessing. Empire, given yeah. the fact that I am the Pope of the Holy Roman Well, God Church. ordained... Yeah. The le- sure. I mean, again, and they would interpret that. Yes. From yeah, what, I think that's in Romans. Yeah. Well, because if you think yeah. about it, like the even the story of King Arthur, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, only God will ordain who can pull the sword out. It's a, it's mythology, but it's still that same idea that uh, the Europeans had that God would ordain a leader because in the scripture, in a lot of different scripture, you can make that case that God chose mm-hmm. chooses who he wants yeah. to be. Right. They leader. took it to its extreme. Right. Yeah. And this is why, again, we need to constantly go back to the scriptures, people, right. so that we don't misinterpret and make mistakes. Um. So, okay. So yeah, Martin Luther at that point, he was just, he saw that this indulgence thing was happening as well as a lot of, a lot of people, even in his own circle that had an issue with it. It wasn't just him. Um, the problem was that people were uh, complacent. Is that the right word? They just kind of were okay to go along sure. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so even this guy, uh, even though at one point indulgences in like 1510 to 1520 or so, they started getting banned, like doing the indulgence thing, but people yeah. still did it and didn't care. Even though it was like banned as a like kind of like a law or of the church, if you make a law for your own thing you're doing, you don't really have to follow it if you're the one making the law. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a. I'm not trying to bash cops, but it's kind of like if a cop wants to speed through a light. Oh, it's like Die Hard. You have yeah. diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's just. Do you mean lethal weapon? Lethal weapon. That's right. That's a lethal weapon. Die Hard. He is a cop though, so I mean it yeah. does fit. So anyway, anybody, any, he basically knew that this Augustinian belief this theology was true like was absolutely true and so as a result he began to vigorously speak out and object to the corruption in 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 the church um so (laughs) so let's get into the 95 thesis because this is the point in i guess the 1570 or year 1570 yeah, when yeah. these things start to happen 1517 1517 i'm sorry i said yeah because we just passed the 500 year mark two years ago Ooh, mm-hmm. fancy fancy so october 31st so zach let's mm-hmm. talk about what what uh because you're all about this theology what did yeah. martin luther believe and why would he so fervently nail this thesis okay. So, yeah, I'm going to talk a little, I'm not going to go over the thesis, okay? but um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how his theology developed. And so it started at this point, but continued on. Yeah. 
real quick, um, before we get there, I want to interject just slightly because ahead, ab- about the act of the nailing of the 95 Thesis. Let's hear it. Yeah. Because I find this part to be so fascinating because so many people view, you know, he fervently nailed these 95 yeah. Thesis sure, to sure. the church yeah. door. What's the real story, Bum? Well, the, if, if you wanted to make any sort of announcement, any sort of proclamation, you know, hey, I'm having a yard sale down the street. Yeah. Okay. You would put it on the local bulletin board and the church door was the local bulletin board. Right. It wasn't the only thing posted there. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. I have heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, so so I, I, th- I find that to be so fascinating because so many people put so much emphasis, you know, nailing as, as if it was some sort of dramatic act. No, Like this a is, huge act of defiance. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is that uh, putting up like a thesis like this, all he really wanted to do was debate with somebody else in the church. He was just making an announcement. It was more debate. of a. It was more of a raise this discussion. Yes, exactly. Right. He was not like yeah, he, yeah. He wasn't the first one to do this, or even the last. It, this was just literally a common yeah. practice that just <laughs> no, took people, storm. No, Nero fiddled. Okay. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. No, people have this image of like Luther was ready just to like leave it all and and like go to war with the church. He really what he was wanting to help change the church from yeah. the inside. You hear that, boys? That's his hammer going against the church, yeah. defying everyone. <laughs> Such a rebel. Even giving up his life. No, Such a silly. punk rocker. He even yeah. had a mohawk and, <laughs> and leather pants like a punk rocker. There's right? no drama in just posting a bulletin. So you gotta yeah. have it be a defiant It was basically act. a blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. He, he basically had a forum yeah. and he posted like a, a pretty controversial topic and immediately the... Uh, admin in charge of the forum got mad and tried to ban him. Nice. <laughs> it's essentially what happened. It's like, wait a minute, you can't talk about this on here. So it's great. So sorry for hijacking okay. that, Zach. Go ahead. Go ahead. What did he actually believe and what did he write about throughout his life? Not just in the 95 thesis, but like later on too. Yeah. Okay. So my source is a book. It's a textbook for church history called, yeah. called The Story of Christianity, Volume 2 by Justo Gonzalez. Um, so yeah, we talked about this a little bit, but there's sola scriptura. Yes. What does that mean, Bob? Uh, scripture alone. So, scripture alone. Yeah. The word of Boom. God is central. Yeah. Fidea and sola scriptura were his two big ones. Sola fidea is you're saved uh, by faith, faith alone. alone. Yes. Saved by grace alone through faith. Right. As people like to say, but yes, it's, it's f- your, it is your faith. Not your work. That is the saving act, not your works. And those are the first two little theses in the beginning, apparently. They yes. were they yeah. were that um uh basically believers would seek repentance yeah. and that faith alone and not deeds would say would lead to yeah. their salvation. Yeah. And then he had some beliefs about the sacraments. I'll get to that. But sola scriptura, the word of God is the central thing. And um what I think is really interesting is if you read Luther, the way that um scripture comes to us is incarnation because he believed the incarnation of Jesus Christ was very, very important, very central to the gospel, just as much as the death and resurrection in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's, we heard from the hymn earlier. So this is what the way Justo Gonzalez would say, he would say Luther to Luther, the Bible is the word of God because Jesus, the word incarnate is revealed in it. So just as, God is revealed in Jesus as an incarnate human body. Um, the word of God, which is Christ, we, you know, we say that Jesus is the word, you know, the logic, basically the right. mind behind how God works 
is contained in scripture. So scripture is itself an incarnation, just like Jesus is an incarnation. Yeah. So when you're like reading words, you know, we like to say like you're, you're you got a direct line to the heart of God because you're, you're reading his words. Oh yeah. Yeah. So right. it, it is God himself. The word is God. So um, I'm just going to pop in every now and again, Zach, yeah. but I'll just say that in the 95 thesis, and I told you those first two statements yeah. really reflect on this idea about faith alone and not through deeds will lead to salvation. And then the other 93 were basically more of a, instead of a criticism or a condemnation, it was more of like a, like a lot of questions mm-hmm. yeah, about like yeah. why these That's things right. would be yeah. a thing. Exactly. And of those, a lot of them criticized indulgence, but also supported those first two. So yeah. it was kind of like a, like this, this thing about indulgence is only to say that those first two things that Augustine believed in are, yeah, th- they can't reconcile both of those at the same time. Right. Indulgence and faith yeah. alone can't can't reconcile each right other. exactly yeah so you know the the word of god has both law and grace right so the law is that well you sin you're going to need forgiveness for the sin now because you went against the law but the grace is that jesus saves you through your faith and both of those things are in the scriptures the scripture has um all the holiness of god pointed out in it to point out our sin, but it also tells us the way that we can receive salvation, which is by grace through faith. Um, so I'm going to read a quote for each of these, please. Okay. So here's a, here's a Martin Luther quote. And he's talking about the, the incarnation. He's talking about the word, the, the testimony of the gospel, um, which is what we just sang about. Yeah, right? absolutely. Listen to how important the incarnation is to Luther. Okay. Look upon the baby Jesus. Divinity may terrify man. Inexpressible majesty will crush him. That is why Christ took on our humanity, save for our sin, that he should not terrify us, but rather that with love and favor, he should console and confirm. So because he believed that the word of God is this incarnational thing, um, and he goes back to the, the incarnation, Jesus Christ, that helped him with objections because the Roman Catholic church would have these arguments. They'd say like, well, you know, where does the authority of the church come in then? And Luther would be able to say like, no, we need to go back to the word of God because it is the very truth of God incarnate in scripture for us. Boom. So, yeah, so it's a real presence of God in the scriptures that we encounter when we read them. So I thought that that was really cool because that's, that's more than like us Protestants like to think that, okay, I'm going to go to the word of God. I'm going to learn something, you know, that's going to touch my brain. Right. But we don't tend to think of it as like a true encounter with God, but that's what Luther very much believed is like, you're, you're, you're listening to God directly. Yeah. You're listening to scripture. And what's crazy is that. Yeah. I guarantee if that was all he said, yeah, <laughs> just that alone, like his true belief, if that yeah. was all he said to the church, then they would probably not have had a huge issue with it. Their issue was the critique or the um, the kind of um, speaking out against indulgence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just, again, I'm going to fly through this really fast. And that is that after he brought the 95 thesis up and he not only put it on the door of the church, he distributed it to the people of Germany. So it became kind of a thing where more and more yeah. people were able to read this thing. Right. 
Go ahead, Bob. What were well, you saying? Yeah, that 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 aspect, the, the distribution of it, it really is what caused caused what later got being known as the Reformation to take off. Yeah, Be, because the printing press. If this would have happened. Fifty years earlier, mm-hmm. this this would have never become. It would have been a, either a, a word of mouth that puttered yeah. out, or yeah, it, this, this would yeah. not be. At best, it might be a footnote in history, but it, you know, it would not have been the 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 massive movement that it became. Mm-hmm. So, so after Luther had made this decision with his theology, um, he was summoned to first. I'll just I'll I'll list these off. He was first summoned to Augsburg. Uh, in South Germany and he was basically made to defend what he wrote mm-hmm. and he debated for three days with this cardinal guy Thomas uh, Kajitan um, and, uh, and no matter what Kajitan said he said I will not recant what yeah, I said I will not sure. yep. I won't do it no matter what and then yeah. he's like well then you're wrong <laughs> uh-huh. even though they even though they debated and it was clear that like it was supposed to be just a discussion, not like a I'm right, you're wrong. But yeah. even though he said he wouldn't recant, they they just deemed him wrong. So eventually yeah. um, the Pope condemned his writings and said that they were conflicting with the church. Then eventually over time he was summoned back again. Uh, but every single time that just got worse and worse. So eventually they said he was heretical. Yeah. Yep. Then they summon, they basically sentenced him to 120 days to recant. I guess they locked him somewhere in Rome and said, you have to sit in here. Germany. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. It says, it says um, basically in July of 1520, Pope Leo X uh-huh. issued a papel bull a papal bull that's basically like public decree yeah public decree from the pope the pope has spoken that concluded that where Luther's, he says i have spoken his yeah oh my gosh <laughs> is this from the mandalorian so um the it, it basically proposed that he was a heretic and gave luther 120 days to recant in mm-hmm. rome but yeah. you're right it could have been germany too luther again after 120 days refused to recant um and the Pope basically excommunicated him. Now, once he was excommunicated, like Bob said, so many people had had been reached through his thesis, his 95 thesis. Um, you know, at that point, so many ears and so many mouths and so many yeah. eyes had seen and read that it became a sort of a like, we need to separate from the church then, I guess, because clearly he's not untruthful about this this is clearly wrong and it, it conflicts with scripture yeah but the one big one was the diet of worms the diet of worms <laughs> yes refusing to recant again luther concluded yeah. his testimony with this defiant statement and i think you have read this on a previous so, so, episode. Hold on, hold on. To, to, to be clear the diet of worms was not a decree for him to eat worms this was that this was a another a diet is a meeting yes yeah. exactly yeah, yeah this it's, is another meeting another oh, council oh the pope is speaking and he says, Were you my doing son, Halo just then? Yeah, he says, <laughs> my son, you shall eat only of the viscous, crawling, long vermin of the ground until you <laughs> recant of your despicable tripe. No. The theology is the spice, and, it's like, and the spice is the worms. <laughs> the theology must flow. The, the picture is the Pope with his like foot pushing down on Martin Luther's head into like a vat of worms, like oh uh, Fear Factor. Colin, Colin. <laughs> you're gonna confuse us. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he. It's like, yeah, Fear Factor. Are you ready to give up? Huh? Are you ready to give up? And he says. 
I will not recant. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So, so no, 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 no. So, so, so the, the diet of worms was, was it was in a city called Worms. Yes. So, so Worms. Yes. So, so Worms was a city by which this council, this meeting took place. Sure, I know. To, to discuss the, the the writings of Martin Luther. The, the, for, for for those who are listening and have become completely confused. Just look up a diet of worms and it will uh, show you to some kind of bird, I'm sure, which eats a diet of worms. Oh my goodness. All right. So, <laughs> all right, Zach, do, yeah. do you have that line in front of you since you read it last time? I don't have it in front of me, but basically he says, I can't go against this because it's what I truly believe and it is neither right nor safe to go against my conscience here. Yeah, can't the, uh, do it. One of the statements is written here. It says, <laughs> yeah. "Here I stand. God help me. I can do no other." Yep. <laughs> um. On so uh, so they, on May twenty fifth, the Holy Roman Emper- Emperor Charles V mm-hmm. signed an edict against Luther, ordering his writings to be burned. Mm-hmm. Luther hid in the town of Essenach for the next year where he began to work on one of his major life projects, the translation of the New Testament yes. into German, which took him 10 years. Now, remember what we talked about in the end of the world mm-hmm. episode? Yeah. We included Luther on that. I don't believe Luther thought he knew like when the world was going to end, but he did think that it was likely to happen soon. Right. And he did start with, did he start? No, he started with um, not Revelation. Wait, with Daniel, one, like Daniel. Yeah, yeah he as, started as, as what she brought up. Yeah. He started with Daniel translating it. Well, well, well that makes sense yeah. because a lot of his beliefs involved like the Pope being the Antichrist. You think so? Uh, I, 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 he, he made yeah. reference to it from time to time. I don't. I don't think he actually made a public proclamation. Yeah. Like, oh, he I was. think that would have been dangerous if he did. Yes, but yeah. but but there was a lot of analogies he put towards the Pope and the Antichrist. So I'm not so sure that like because you know there's there's different differing sources on that. Sure. I'm sure. not so, sh- I'm not like super convinced that he thought he knew who the antichrist yeah. was, but I think that he did think that the Pope at the time was not a good guy and that he was right. not on Christ's team for sure. So Zach, yeah. now, now that he is yeah. excommunicated and basically sought after by yeah. the church and his reformation begins, what what's going on with him theologically? Where is he? Where is he headed? We he, talked about salvation. Yeah. We talked about uh, well. Race. I think he. I think he really starts to um, starts to shore up his belief on salvation, justification. Okay. Yeah, he goes back to Augustine and starts reading. Always Augustine. a good place to go. He starts translating scripture, and he's uh, he's translating from Paul. I think Paul and Augustine would have gotten along. They lived several hundred years apart. I agree. Yeah. But you know, like a lot of this justification by faith kind of thing, he started to really get into it. And so he's really talking about, about the cross. And so he is really opposed to the teaching that faith, that you are saved by works. Sure. Um, Which is what, what the Catholic church had been teaching. Right. So they'd been, they'd been saying that like, well, you know, Yes, believe in Jesus, but then also you're going to need to do this, this, and this. You're going to need to obey the church and be good. You're going to need to pay your indulgences. That's that's how you really get saved. Oof. And so he's like, no, you, you don't have to go through these methods that the church is prescribing you. Right. You need to be born again. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to affirm the cross. And so here's yeah. what he says. 
says the friends of the cross affirm that the cross is good and that works are bad for through the cross works are undone. And the old Adam whose strength is in works is crucified. Boom. And that, wow. And um, I'm just making this connection, but I'm thinking about how in Genesis three, when uh, Adam and Eve sin and God is, is giving the curses, he says, Adam, which the word Adam means dirt, right? Or earth. Adam, he says, Adam, your name is Adam and you are going to till the earth. Yeah. So Adam is going to have to dig through the Adam, <laughs> right? Right. To, in order to, in order to, um, to have food and, and to live. And so Adam was not defined by who he was. He was defined by what he did. Yeah. After that. Right. Right. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying like the cross through the cross, we are not defined by our works anymore. And, you know, all of us can still struggle with this sometimes. Like we want to say like, Oh, what do you, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. Mm -hmm. That's what my job is. You know, I'm a worship leader. You know, that's not like the the cross says, that's not what defines you. It's not your works. We're we're, we're defined in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Luther's really kind of, Get it, he's getting at that. Um, he's starting to teach that, and which would go on to be yeah. basically one of one of, if not the main tenant of modern Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. And and it, I think that for Luther, he saw that as the scriptural basis and what the early church fathers were talking about. Right, you know, he's like, well, let's get back to these the early church because it was the Roman Catholics that had gone astray. And this isn't, yeah. a, this isn't a knock on, on the Catholic church as a whole, but a lot of people I've, uh, I've heard from a lot of theologians yeah. in our day. And they talk about how the Catholic church somehow embodies Rome. And as a result of that, Rome like lived on through that, through that push through to the Catholic church. Yeah. I'm not so sure how, how I feel about it because I feel like in the same token, the Catholic church yeah. had it not been as powerful as it was through yeah. all of its missteps. It also had the energy to push yeah. uh, Christianity up through into modern day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think that he, and again, he was not trying to start a new church. He was trying to reform the church from the, the current inside. church. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because yes. he did believe in the church. And I think that's a yeah. very important point that most people yeah. often overlook, that, that, that Luther never wanted a, his separation. He never wanted a, 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 a break off from the Catholic church. Yeah. He right. wanted to change it from within. Yeah. So the, the last thing kind of has to do with that because he ran into friction when he tried to call out. So, you know, we've already talked about um, the indulgences, but the other thing was what the um, Roman Catholic church taught about sacraments. Okay. Yeah. Let's so, about it. so it, um, Luther went to scripture and he began to believe that there were really only two sacraments because a sacrament has to be something that is introduced in scripture. They had introduced other sacraments throughout the history of the church. Like they made marriage a sacrament and they made like your death rites a sacrament. They have the incense burning. Uh, I remember there was like yeah. a thing for a while where uh, in CCD school, when I was growing up, you had to learn about the seven sacraments and like list mm-hmm. them and define what they were. Yeah. And all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To Luther, there's only two. Now 
the Catholic Church at the time the included the these two. Well, there's the body and the blood, which is the Eucharist. The Eucharist, and right. And then baptism is the yeah. other one. Mm-hmm. Those are the two ways that like you come into contact with God through a physical means. Right. So um, in communion, the Roman Catholics taught something called transubstantiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically what they said is when we pray over the bread and the wine, it becomes the actual body and blood of Christ. And you're actually right. eating because they took it literally when Jesus said, this is my body. This is my blood. Um, so Luther didn't want to like go completely off scripture for that, which a lot of people kind of take Luther to think like he went completely the opposite direction from transubstantiation. Mm-hmm. But he actually still affirmed that there was a real presence of Jesus in the bread and wine. It wasn't just a sign or it wasn't just like a remembrance kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it's kind of cool when you can, when you can wrap your mind around sort of what he was teaching, he was saying that um, the body and the blood are with the elements, even if not, even if they don't literally become the body and blood. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting, I think it's a, it's an interesting, um, I don't know. uh, What would I call that? It's it's compromise. It's, it's a compromise, sort of, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think he, he he wasn't ready to just like yeah. say, oh, this isn't even yeah. a part of Jesus's blood or body. He was more saying th- there is a spiritual component, yeah. but also a physical component. Yes. And like when we pray, we connect with the Lord. Yeah. When we take the sacrament, when we take the Eucharist, uh, we we are both like feeling the presence of the Lord. We are remembering the Lord. I think there is something to it. I think we lose something when we say all we're doing is just making a sign, you know? Right. I think even like the most staunchest Baptists who say, well, we're, we're remembering like communions or remembrance. Mm -hmm. I think even they would say that like, yeah, we're connecting with God this way, you know? And what's (laughs) funny. No, 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 absolutely. Right. It it is, it is a very sacred and holy thing. Yeah. And what's funny is that this kind of, this sort of thought process in theology, which we probably should talk about at some point. Yeah. Uh, like maybe from the councils um, kind of went on to be like a big subject of debate, the whole idea of um, uh, uh, how, how physical, how spiritual something is. Cause they make that whole thing with Jesus. Like he was physically man, but spiritually God. That was way earlier than this point. Right. Right. But still like it, we, we kept, having to figure that out. Right. I'm saying um, like at some point yeah. we can have that discussion about that. But what I'm saying is at the same time, even all these years later, the like how spiritual is the sacra- right. sacrament? Mm-hmm. How, how physical is it? Yeah. Is it really, is it really Jesus's blood or not? Mm-hmm. So to Luther, a lot of these things are, are a mystery that we receive by faith. Yeah. Um, and so he, he didn't want to get too into trying to explain it. And the church at the time had done a lot of like explaining like, well, this is what's happening. And what he believed those teachings, he believed that they came from like, um, uh, alchemy, you know, things like, like medieval kinds of things. And so he thought it was kind of like superstitious to go, um, like they came from like a Aristotle kind of influence, right? This things that are outside scripture. And so here's what he said about like these different doctrines that the church kind of picked up. Mm-hmm. He said, what is our response when Aristotle and the doctrines of men are made the arbiters of these very sublime and divine things? Why not hiss these ingenious inquiries off the stage and hold to the words of Christ in simple faith? 
satisfied not to understand what takes place and content to know that the true body of Christ is there by virtue of the words of institution. We do not need to understand completely the mode of the divine operation. So faith, you know, faith being something that works alone by itself. Right. You know, you don't need to know everything that's happening. And so I thought, I thought that was really important. So he said, so one of the things I know, and I don't want to talk about, I don't want to end on a bad note with Martin Luther or anything, but I'll just finish out some of the things from his later life. Basically for the most part, Luther didn't really have as much to do with like, the involvement of the reformation was more the people that studied his writings. Mm -hmm. And so Luther's thing is he got older, got married, had a bunch, had like five kids. Um, and then just kind of became like a raspy like yeller of his theology throughout (laughs) the end of his life. And from what it says on the history, uh, history history.com, maybe this is disputable, but it does say that he began to, to speak, uh, about the Pope as the antichrist. But we, again, we, this might be, uh, debatable. Um, you know, he had a few weird things with polygamy, things like that. But in general, essentially, when when you get older and sure. you've been speaking the same thing for years and years and years, I mean, it, it makes sense. But um, what really seemed to have taken off, and I think that was just his, like, take the ball and run with it sort of thing, is the people reformed the church by his teaching. And a lot of political leaders got involved very, oh, yes. very shortly after this rise, like where well, well, Europe at this time was very autonomous in a lot of ways, yeah, and, and so so which allowed some of them to adopt this when 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 the states determine what your faith could be, mm-hmm. right? It, the, the the during at the time of the Reformation, the um, the amount of autonomy that each individual region had allowed for Protestantism to really begin to take hold in some yeah. of those regions, and a lot of the smaller countries in Europe decided we're going to adopt Protestant denominations as our, mm-hmm. like, a, I can't remember if it's Sweden, some of the Scandinavian countries mm-hmm. yep, at Sweden. this point, Sweden was one of the first, I think. Yes. Yeah, so they was- adopted Lutheranism as an official church of Sweden. Oh, was it? What, I what, think it was. So I, I know out of Sweden came, uh, came uh, John Calvin and Zwil, Zwil- I can never Switzerland. Say- Right, oh, Zwingli. Oh, oh, you're right. Not, 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 yeah. not, not, not Sweden, but yeah, yeah, Zwingli. Uh, yeah, that was Switzerland. Zwingli is an not interesting Sweden. one. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. but so what I thought was interesting is that it was more, it was more his fervent writing as a result of yeah. the things that he interacted with the church about that were then inter- then translates they were they were interpretations of the scripture translated mm-hmm. you know into german so that people could yeah. actually check this stuff out sure and fact check it and then his thesis plus his other writings that Zach mentioned or what what got people moving to to sort of speak out against the church and the the church had sort of like this backlash that was so large mm-hmm. and it was formed out of not just people or peasants at this point, even though it's called actually called the peasant war. Um, but it actually politically people got involved that were powerful enough Mm -hmm. that the church was like, well, I guess we, 
Yeah. We can't like go there to war. The, it's well, like a civil war. There was or, the 30 years war in Germany. And, well, well, yeah. Well, yeah, the 30 years war actually came 100 years after the Reformation itself. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but the peasant war was a unique one because it actually brought in at the, at Luther, as you mentioned previously, was kind of in hiding for a long period of time. For over a year, he came out of hiding because the peasant war was firing up, and yeah, and, right. and he came back. The, the 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 city I forget which city was in, but they put him back into a political role, literally to quell the people. And he spoke out very fervently against the rebellion, right? Uh, v- v- very heavily, and I, and a lot of people felt actually kind of betrayed uh, by, by by Luther. He was a regular Ben Hur. <laughs> you are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take him away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but uh, but yeah, he, he spoke up very heavily against uh, the peasants rising up and the revolting. Um, even quoting the idea from uh, a given to Caesar what is Caesar's was right. one of his bigger, bigger statements uh, and, and, and against that. Not only that, but also the idea of of you know the divine right and everything that comes along with that uh, the ideal the ideology of that time. But yeah. later on in life, towards his older years, uh, probably during the time that he really started talking against the Pope heavily, uh, he really be- actually began the idea of, okay, maybe it's not so bad sometimes to revolt, but you got to be careful on when. And that doesn't mean we do it violently, but right. yeah. Yeah, and then he, he married an, uh, a former nun named Catherine Abora, Bora, Catherine Abora, I think her name was. Yeah, and uh, so there you go. There's there's the life of Martin Luther, and then he yeah. basically lived out his days as a outspoken theologian. It says that he became strident in his beliefs. I had to look up that yeah. word. I was like, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. He held to it. Yeah. And, yeah, he was not in it to start a new church. He was not in it for church politics. He just but wanted he people would to not, see He would not recant. He would if, not recant. If it was uh, the truth of the scripture, he yeah. would not recant it. And so that's something we got to remember. I mean, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. We're we're not here to uh we're not here to tell people to just start yelling at people's faces and stuff that yeah. they're doing things wrong. But we are we are saying stand up uh when the scriptures are in question and, and you know. Mm-hmm. Go so ahead, along Bob. those lines, did you have anything else on the impact on the church? Bob? Yeah, Bob. Oh, absolutely. Here. Yes, right, yes. Let's hear about there, this. There, there's a few different things. Uh, one of the biggest impacts I found that came out of it was the idea of uh, uh, of course Lutheranism. You know, we we, we know today. Even still, they still exist even today. Calvinism came out of this time frame. Yeah. Um, Anglicanism also came about as a result just a few years <laughs> afterwards. Uh, That's which an interesting one. <laughs> it, it, it is. It yeah. is. But it's out of Anglicanism later on, years later, that we get um, our modern view of evangelicalism. Um, yeah. Um, and, th- and then lastly was the Anabaptists, which I found to be so unique. And the Anabaptists are not to be uh, confused with our modern day U- United States view of Baptists. They, they were very, very different. And, and if anything, uh, their descendants would become uh, the the Amish, the Amish and, yeah. and the Mennonites. Yeah. Uh, and what I find so unique about this is th- is the Anabaptists were actually a very violent revolutionary group starting out. Wait, yeah. their, their whole thing was about like getting rebaptized or being baptized mm-hmm. once, right? Well, well, well it's, it's more like, it's, it's, it's more like uh, being baptized as an adult. Whereas in this day and age, right, that's you, what I'm saying. Yeah, versus. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You would only be baptized as, as an infant. And they say that's not biblical. And so of course the Baptists very much adopt a lot of those ideas as, yeah. as uh, they, they, a lot of these different groups shared so many different ideas, mm-hmm. but, but it, I find it so interesting that the Anabaptists were actually very much anti-establishment, anti-state. We don't care what you guys say we're supposed to be. We're going to believe this. Right. And, and so, yeah. which, in that vein, you still see the Amish and Mennonite mentalities. 
you come about. But I yeah. find it so interesting that despite the these two groups, which are so known today by their passivity, and and they may, and, and 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 it's highly respected passive passivity. Yeah, they yeah. began as a very violent group. <laughs> I'm a very like uh, I think I might have talked about this before when we talked about is like is baptism necessary like stuff on Facebook, but I I feel like after th- you know mulling this over for years and years I feel like I'm pro conscious no like know what you're doing making a spiritual baptism as well as physical mm-hmm. baptism Believers baptism I, I like the I I I like the scripture that backs that up I feel like that's pretty solid uh-huh. so I'm a firm believer in like getting baptized as a huge part of your like walk with Christ yeah, sure yeah. but um but uh I know there's a lot of people that split like right down the middle on oh yeah, side yeah, yeah. That, the so. baptism is still very much a debated thing even in the church today right um, so but, I can understand how explosive that could have been yeah. back then when sure. they were at the drop of the hat ready to go to war for their yes. beliefs. So. But years later, um, Luther kind of won out in his reforming of the Catholic Church in some regards, especially when it comes to the idea of indulgences, okay. which are very much uh, – you, you rarely hear yeah, that idea but, yeah, <laughs> in the Catholic Church. It, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Did in, you find like when indulgences went away or I, – uh, like I said, they banned. I, I, I didn't they, see that one specifically. They tried to ban them in, I think it was fifteen seventeen or fifteen uh, between fifteen ten and fifteen twenty. They were like officially banned, but then they just kept yeah. doing it. Right. Yeah, fifteen sixty seven actually. Uh, it's 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 when it said that they. Uh, um, like downright cut the head off the chicken on that. Condemned yeah. Yeah. all all base gained for securing indulgences yeah. in 1563, and Pope, and Pope Pius V abolished the sale of indulgences in 1567. So I mean that's that's still very much either uh, um, is that right after his death or still during his 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 his, his life his livelihood. 1546. So ten years after, uh, eleven years after his death, and we see it finally end in the Catholic Church, which yeah. which was of course the one ripples. of his big, with one one of one of his big right. pushes. Well and the Catholic Church is able to um they have councils. Mm-hmm. And yep. in certain councils you can track where different changes have come about. And a lot of what we think of as like what modern Catholics do actually comes out of the nineteen sixties. Because they had a council called Vatican II. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about this. Yeah, they had a they had a council in the 1960s oh, yes. where they changed a lot of the requirements for like what you do in worship. Actually made a lot of things less strict, really, mm-hmm. is to sum that up. But yeah, so I I think in a lot of ways um like Vatican II and other things like that are kind of influenced by what happened years and years ago as right. Protestantism became a thing. Sure. So yeah, and unfortunately, like we mentioned previously, the the Thirty Years' War broke out about a hundred years, years after. At, yeah. at, yes, and and so which which literally decimated uh, uh, Europe. About somewhere about twenty five to thirty five percent of the population was killed off, died in those Thirty Years' oh War. My God. Wow. Yes, and and it was it was a Protestant versus Catholic war. Um, and so very so ugly, was, very deadly. Was it clerics versus paladins, basically? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Come on, D and D. Just kidding. Actually the clerics were able to go up to people and say, Well hello. Convert them. <laughs> so yeah, it's that is a deep cut reference. That is a very deep reference. You had to have been alive in nineteen ninety-eight. Jessica and- still says <laughs> Jessica still says Ubere. Ubere. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about a video game called Age of Empires for the computer. It's a great game. Um so the 
so essentially his few writings, his small blip in history burst forth this tree of events. Absolutely. Different yeah. church denominations, wars, but I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to call out the Catholic church, but I mean, it seems as though they, they weren't ready to give up some of their uniquely right. interpreted power to, 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 to their credit. when you have an organization so massive and so you large, can't just change quickly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Ship that, that large true. does not change overnight, but in, in some regards, he wasn't really looking to, to, change it overnight as much as what's just to discuss these ideas in this, many ways. They talk they, they, they it and reform things that. over time. Yeah. yeah. Make things better. So, well, good, man. Good episode. Ser gut, I must say. Very, very good. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, if you guys like this kind of stuff where we kind of delve deep into a theologian, we would, I, I would say that probably the next step, if we had to, if I had to guess would be maybe John Wesley or maybe go back to an older theologian. I like some of the old school ones. I do too. Yeah. Um, you said medieval times was uh, Pascal and uh, uh, Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas. You could do like Anselm, who was, I think, Aquinas's uh, mentor. We could do Augustine. You do There's Francis of Assisi, who apparently got naked. And you know, it's yeah, like, that'd be interesting. that wouldn't be the quite um, the right story. But. Some of the people who were at Nicaea, like uh, Athanasius, would be interesting. It would be funny yeah. for next year to do a study on St. Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> but that would probably... Oh my goodness. Because Zach, we've been talking about how uh, he uh, as, slapped that As one long guy. as Bob doesn't punch me in the face if we disagree. And <laughs> <laughs> I think... But yeah, if you guys really like, if you guys like this, um, uh, please let us know, comment on, uh, any of our, uh, podcast apps, like on Facebook, you know, social media, Facebook, leave Twitter. us a couple stars. Uh, let yeah. us know if you want us to talk about a different one. Um, let us know anything. We, we would love to hear comments from you all about our show. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, please continue to listen. I have an announcement as of right now. We have over 2000 downloads, which was a personal goal for us for this year. Woo-hoo! We didn't even start off at the beginning of the year. We started off with like February we're able to do quite a bit so it's been a nice mile marker for us um we appreciate everybody that's listened so yeah so yeah thanks for checking us out come back next week bye see you guys peace